This is the weekly message from Hope Church Malmesbury. We're so glad you can join us. This week's sermon is part of our series, The Promise and the Purpose. We're walking slowly through the Gospel of Luke, verse by verse, promise by promise. Find out more about Hope Church and how to support our ministry at www.thehope.church. I hope this message will help you to see the good purpose that God has for your life and help you to walk in faith and rely on his promises every day. Here's the message. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Hope. It uh, clearly is still the middle of holiday season. So for the rest of you watching online and catching up, happy Christmas or whenever you get around to it. So my name is Mark, I'm one of the lead pastors here. And today we're continuing our slow saunter through the uh, Gospel of Luke, verse by verse, promise by promise. And um, there's there's an ancient Hebrew saying that revenge is a dish best served cold. Or maybe that's Klingons. You know, from Star Trek. I'm a bit sleep deprived this week, so I'm really not sure. Let, let me explain why. Uh, many, many, many years ago, when I was young and foolish and newly wed, uneducated in the ways of the world and the ways of women, I did not know truly what women want. And I still don't, if I'm honest. But I was invited to go on a business trip. Not any old business trip, but a two-week, all-expenses-paid, premium economy on Virgin Atlantic to California. San Francisco, Cupertino, the home of the computer industry nerd heaven. So, of course, I said, yes, please. I did, of course, check with my wife, and she said... Well, if you really want to. Did I mention how young and foolish I truly was? You see, I did not understand the concept of the wife test. You see, I did not understand that when she said, or rather when I said, I've been invited to go on a business trip to America, do you mind if I go? And my wife says, well, if you really want to. I was supposed to say, no, honey, of course not. I didn't want to go to America without you because, of course, you won't be able to come on account of the newborn baby that's due at the time of the trip. (laughs) Did I mention that Lydia was pregnant? And on the date of the trip, Bethany would have been all of three months old. I mentioned I was young and foolish, right? So off I went to America leaving Lydia and Bethany home alone. See, revenge is a dish best served cold, which means according to the Klingons in Star Trek, you wait, you bide your time so that your enemy never sees it coming and you strike and you get your revenge and the shock of the unexpectedness of it all makes it all the more Sweet. So you may be wondering, how do I dare share this story 
Well, Lydia and Bethany aren't here. They're both off in Spain, cashing in the last of those EasyJet COVID flight vouchers before they expire. And they've left me home alone. Well, not totally alone. Did I mention that Lydia got a new puppy? And then went on an international trip for eight days. Leaving me home alone with this newborn, 12 weeks old or three months and a full-time job. See, revenge is a dish best served cold. And 25 years later, at 5 a.m., when I'm in the back garden waiting for the pup to poop, I ponder on the meaning of that expression. I've no doubt that it is all very well deserved. Mind you, look, look at her face. This is uh, Rayma, or sweet baby Ray, as we call her. And she's named after a Greek word, Rayma, which means a word from God in due season, a divine revelation. And I think, James, you're getting called from powers on high. <laughs> um, so I pray that uh, what I share with you today is a, indeed a word in season from God's throne to your heart. Father, open our ears to hear what you want to say to us, humble our hearts to learn what you want to teach us today. Amen. Now, it's a word in season. And speaking of seasons, I'm getting very excited. Did you know that it is less than four months until Christmas? <laughs> I am so in the mood. Mince pies, lights on the tree, carols. In fact, this morning, after I'd pooped the pup in the garden, so it was about half past five, I was online looking for Christmas videos and inspiration for the Christmas preaching plan. I'm excited already. In fact, why don't we just hit rewind? I go back to the start of our series, which was, for the benefit of visitors, 86 weeks ago when we started this preaching series on Luke. And of course, Luke's gospel starts with Christmas. So join me in Luke chapter 2, verse 10. It goes like this. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, watching over their flocks by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. But the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you this day is born in the city of David a Saviour who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger and suddenly there was with the angel a great multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. So as we look forward to Christmas, the season where we celebrate the coming of the Prince of Peace, the one who has healing in his wings, Gentle Jesus, meek and mild, no, the cattle are lowing, the baby doesn't cry. We turn to today's reading in Luke chapter 12, verse 49, and Jesus says, I come to cast fire upon the earth. I would that it was already kindled. I have a baptism to be baptized with, and how great is my distress until it is accomplished. Do you think I came to bring peace upon the earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. From now on, in one house, there will be five divided, 
three against two, two against three. They will be divided, father against son, son against father, mother against daughter, daughter against mother, mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law, and daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Wow. Okay, so maybe not quite so gentle, Jesus, meek and mild. What is going on? So today's scripture passage comes as part of a long discourse. Yeah, probably a great sermon that Jesus has started. The Bible says, as a crowd of many thousands of people had gathered, right back at the start of Luke chapter 12. And all of this that will be going on for the last month or so, it's all part of the same sermon that Jesus is preaching. And he's talking to the crowd and he's talking to his disciples. So in summary, for the hard of remembering, this is the story so far for the last month or so of Sunday mornings. Jesus starts by saying, beware hypocrisy. You know, saying one thing and doing another. God, he hates that. Because he knows. He sees into your heart and he knows what you do and think in the dark and secret places. So do not let a fear of man or what other people think control you. God's the only one who deserves to be feared. But he loves you. So do not be scared to stand up and speak out. To acknowledge God before men. To speak your faith. And do not let the treasures of the world distract you. God will provide for all of your practical needs, your food, your shelter. So, so first, focus on the things of the kingdom of God. Chase God. Don't chase money. For God is pleased to give you everything in his kingdom. So be ready. Be on your watch. Be on your guard. Look out. You have no idea when Jesus is going to come again to judge the living and the dead. Let him find you ready. Let him find you doing the good work of the gospel, not taking advantage of your position or slacking off. And then Jesus ends, that's where Dave finished his sermon last week with this warning, to everyone who much has been given, much more of him will be required. And for him to whom they entrusted much, they will demand the more. In other words, the more that you have, whether that's possessions, skills, knowledge, experience. The more that God has entrusted you with, the more God expects from you to do with that stuff he's given you. Which is the backdrop. That's, this is all that has just happened in the ears of the people who are listening to Jesus and his disciples as they're listening to him. And then Jesus turns to them and he warns them, I've come to cast fire and bring division and not peace. I don't know about you, but as I was reading this, I was just trying to square the circle, you know, trying to make sense. How does this fit in? What is Jesus saying? You know, Jesus, the one whose birth was heralded with a message of peace from the angels. The one who says, do not worry, God is going to provide for you. And then he also says, yeah, but no peace, fire, division. So what is going on? It feels like a big contradiction but as I was studying this passage this week I think if we look at the context to what Jesus is saying it explains the apparent contradiction and Jesus was not saying I believe he wasn't saying I've come to ruin the peace in your families he wasn't saying I've come to break the promise of the angels 
what Jesus is saying is that other people's reactions to the things that Jesus says and does is what will cause a division. It's not Jesus who causes the division. It's human beings' reaction to Jesus causes division amongst themselves. Because at the end of the day, some people will embrace the gospel and some people will reject it. And those who reject the gospel will often reject those who follow Jesus. Hence, the division. You see, Jesus is a divisive figure. He's a divider. When he was born, he split history into two, B.C. and A.D. At the very end of history, on the Day of Judgment, all the people who have ever lived will be divided. The lambs and the goats. Those who embraced Jesus, the Lord and Saviour, and those who did not. And on that final day of division between the believers and the unbelievers, the Christians and the non-Christians, now that, that's already starting to play out at some level in the world today. You can almost see it like a prophetic sign looking towards what's going to happen at the end times as the world separates itself into Christians and non-Christians, believers and unbelievers. Now, the angels promised peace on earth as a result of Jesus' birth, but they didn't promise peace to everyone. What did the angels actually say back in Luke chapter 2? They said, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Yeah, the promise of God's peace is for the people that God is pleased with. And how do you please God? Well, it says in Hebrews 11.6, without faith, it's impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. So for those people who have put their faith in Jesus, God's peace is their promised inheritance. But that does not mean that the whole earth is peaceful. Not until Jesus comes again. It's, it's almost like we're living in the eye of a hurricane. We have this island of peace all around us while the storm surges beyond. And there's this clear division. Those who are in the storm and those who are in the eye. The people in the eye are enjoying peace with God while we still dwell upon the earth. But for those still caught in the storm, those who are still subject to the judgment that's due for sin, there is no peace, only division. Have you ever wondered why people hate Christians so much? It, hard as it may be to believe, Christians are the most persecuted people group on the whole planet. It's amazing, isn't it? Why do you think the world feels the need to attack people whose basis of life is Love, not war. Care for the poor rather than taking advantage of them. Let's serve people rather than demand that we're served. These are the tenets that Jesus expects from his disciples, right? What's not to like about people who behave like that? Well, I think it comes down to the word of God. Hebrews 4 says, For the word of God is what? It's living, it's active, it's sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces to the division, there's that word again, the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. 
No creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. You see, the word of God, whether you read it in the Bible or you're preaching in church on Sunday, the gospel itself, that word of God, it pierces and divides. The piercing and the discerning of the thoughts and the intentions of the heart, before the word of God, we are all naked and exposed. In other words, we are vulnerable. And what do vulnerable people tend to do? They go on the attack. You may have heard the saying, hurt people, hurt people. Yeah? People who have been hurt are much more likely to lash out at those people around them because they feel vulnerable. So it's almost like, well, I'll get the first punch in. You know, this is going to go bad anyway, so I might as well bring on the conflict, get it over and done with. They'd rather risk pushing people away than risk being hurt some more. And for those people who do not accept Jesus as saviour, the gospel is not actually good news, is it? If you don't accept Jesus as saviour, the gospel is not good news. Because if you reject Jesus, if you reject the gospel, if you reject God's offer... Yeah, it's a bad news message because it brings into focus your sin, the punishment that's due that sin. For those who reject Jesus, the gospel brings with it a promise of consequences, right? which is an uncomfortable truth. And if you don't like this message that someone is sharing with you, what do you do? You end up rejecting the messenger along with the message, even to the point of, dividing families and households. Those who reject Jesus end up rejecting the people who tell them about Jesus many times. You know, there's no sitting on the fence with Jesus. He said, you're either for me or against me. There's no neutral ground. There's no Switzerland in the kingdom of heaven. You are for heaven or you are for hell. It's as simple as that. Jesus said, there's no other choices. And I think people don't like to hear that stark truth because it forces a response. It forces a reckoning. It forces an introspection of all the things I did and said and I wish I hadn't, but I was pretending that they didn't happen. I was trying to ignore them, but now actually... You're forced to this situation where you either have to repent and be saved or be reject this and face the consequences. You know, but Peter said... In his second letter, he said, The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but he is patient. He is patient, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. You know, Jesus, he paid a really high price for the forgiveness of all of our sins. You know, and it was clearly something he was not looking forward to going through. Yeah? Jesus was not surprised by the events of that first Easter. He knew what was coming, which is why he said in today's passage, he says, I've got a baptism to be baptized with, and how great is my distress until it is accomplished. Now, when we say baptism, we we think of just like that kind of that Christian ritual of into the water, up out of the water, sprinkling water on babies' heads kind of thing. But the, 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 the word in the more common context, it means something to be submerged or overwhelmed, right? Jesus is saying, I'm going to go through something which is going to overwhelm me. 
but he chose to do it because that's how much he loves us. So the context of today's somewhat hard to understand passage is Jesus continuing to teach his disciples and therefore continuing to teach us what it means to be a Jesus follower. So after all of these words of encouragement and stirring them up and telling them not to worry and saying, God is for you, okay? And then he just says, but it's not going to be always easy. You know, people are going to reject me, says Jesus. And when they reject me, they're going to reject you as well. Even people in your own family, maybe. So the purpose of what Jesus is saying in this context, he says, when people reject you because of your faith, they're only doing that because they're first rejecting me, says Jesus. So so don't take it so personally. Don't get worried about it. Don't let your fear of what other people might say affect how you stand up for me. This is what Jesus is saying. And the thing is, God is not a Klingon. God is not planning a dish served cold, right? He's not planning a secret punishment. He's not planning a revenge on people to bring sudden calamity and disaster to pay them back for rejecting his son. Because God is not out for revenge. And God is clear what is going to happen at the end of the age. Romans 6, he says, for the wages of sin is death. But... The free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ, our Lord. So when you put your faith in Jesus, you are adopted into God's family. God becomes your heavenly father. And in our father's house, there are what? Many rooms. That's what Jesus said. Why? It's a family home. So only family is going to be invited to live in it. Right? Only people who have been invited to live there are those who have chosen to be adopted, those who have accepted that invitation. But that invitation is open to all. All you need to do is accept it. And if you've never accepted that invitation, that invitation of God's love, unconditional forgiveness, to be accepted, to be adopted into a new family, you can do that right now. Now I'm going to put some words up on the screen and you can pray along with me out loud or in your heart. Whether you're here in the room, whether you're watching online, whether you're listening to this 10 years from now, God's offer is still open to you. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you that you died for me. I believe that you are risen from the dead and that you're coming back again for me. Come into my heart. Forgive me of my sin. Wash me and cleanse me and set me free. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. And give me a passion for the lost, a hunger for the things of God, and a holy boldness to preach the gospel of Jesus. Because I am saved, I'm born again, I'm forgiven, and I'm on my way to heaven because of Jesus in my heart. Amen. Amen. And if you prayed that prayer for the first time today, know that at the moment you prayed it. A legal transaction takes place in the spiritual realm and you are transferred into a new kingdom 
a new citizenship. You get a new passport and you now are God's child. But for the rest of us, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you his peace. Thank you for joining us here at Hope today. In this week ahead, I encourage you all to be good, to be happy, to be healthy, be holy. And we'll see you next week. Bye for now.